So like, share, subscribe, comment. Doing the bell. Welcome. I'll yes. drink the drink. I'm out of coffee. I'm done my coffee now. Okay. It's just bodybuilding. Um, I was going to pull this up. Quint Beastwood guest posed oh, yeah. at our show this weekend, the Van City Showdown. He, he guest posed on the first day where we had the open competitors. Um, and he was fucking awesome guest poser and just looks crazy. So Scott's going to pull up the pics of him. Check that out. That's better. Yeah, he looks good. Damn. 300 pounds. Bananas. Like he's he's three hundred, like walking around three hundred pounds, you know. So it's a carousel, yeah. You know, so he looks good, man. Yeah, he was really great. He came out, trained at the gym for a few days, stayed with Ditto. You know, they're buddies. Okay. You know, and um, hung out with Ditto, and they trained at eight, and you know, he came and guest posed at the show, and took pictures with everybody, and went down in the crowd, and. You know, walked around and did his did his thing, and oh, yeah, everyone, sense. yeah, it is. everyone loved him. Everyone loved him. You know, plus it was good for him because he got to guest pose in front of Tara Kilgindi, who was our head judge, who's like an Olympia judge, right? For sure. Yeah. So it was good for him to be like, you know, make Tarek look at him like, hey, this is me in off season, like you know. And Tarek was like, you look good, and he said he had, he goes, you have huge fucking legs, so yeah. like. You know, Tarek's seen it all, right? But look at his calves. Like, you know, Quentin's 6'2", so in person, those calves are like humongous watermelons. Like, people <laughs> don't realize, when you see him in person, you're like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. He's watermelons everywhere. Like, the quads, the calves, you know? So he's just going to fill out and just get better and better. He'll just keep getting, you know, keep improving. So thanks to Quentin. I thought I'd, thought I'd give him a shout-out, you know? Are are we gonna are we gonna um, play overrated underrated? Yes, I think we should. Let's see it. Boom! All right, here we go. I gotta get some money. Ba, 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 ba. Got that one. Got that one. Okay, here we. Oh, funny. We're gonna start off with food. Overrated, underrated, and Scott. No, accurately rated. <laughs> we need Five commitment. Guys. But it. I mean, I, I, you got to underrated, it, overrated. I'll say overrated. Yes. I'll say overrated because I went there not too long ago for the first time, like post pandemic, and I swear to God, for a burger, a fries, and a Coke Zero, I must have paid like over twenty dollars for what is basically a fast food burger. It is that a is a good point. Yeah. So thank you. That is a good point. The thing I like about Five Guys is that I do get exactly what I want, and I yeah. really like what I get. Yeah, that is a good point. So, you know, I really like that. I get exactly what I want. Like, I don't want any of the bullshit. I don't want a fancy table. I don't give a fuck about any of that. I just want to, like, sit down, eat a burger and fries like a pig out of a bag. It's perfect. It's the experience I'm looking for, right? Does but, it bother you, Ron, that they have peanuts in there? Because it seems like something would bother you. No, I didn't even notice it. They yeah, have peanuts, it shelled peanuts that you can just scoop in and have, which I love. But I just yeah, yeah, I no, no, that's, that's fine. Bother you? Okay. No, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, do it makes you happy. So oh, I said yes. under, I said underrated because yeah. I like 
I'm always happy when I eat there. I'm like, fuck, I love that. I love that burger. It is good. But, yes. but you do have a good point that the last time Braden and I went there and pigged out, it was my turn to pay. And I handed my card over and I, I swear to God, she said it was like 50, 52, 50 or something. And I was like, she gives my card back and I was like, was like okay. burger and fries. <laughs> what did I buy just now? Yeah. Two yeah. double. I got two doubles and large fries and then a small Cajun just so we have both types of fries. And then yeah. Reagan got two doubles and then we both got drinks, <laughs> but yeah. there was no whiskey in them. Yeah. So I don't know where that 50 bucks came from. <laughs> got it. All right, this this is a this is a little bit targeted, but I think you guys both are on there. Jim Morrison. People don't even know who he is anymore. Yeah, that's a hard oh. one to do. I yeah. I will say I will say overrated. Yes. And the reason I'm saying that is because I was banging a girl once who was like a Jim Morrison super fan. Yeah, yeah, like super fan, like. She thought he was like the poet god prophet, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I just always have this memory of thinking like he's cool, but but he's not that cool. Like I just remember always thinking that like you know, he's pretty cool, but like he's not like the greatest rock singer of all time. Yeah. Right, 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 right. You right. know what I mean? And and I remember there's people out there that like they they think Jim Morrison is like, you know, you know, but I'll say, I really I'll say liked overrated. him. I really liked him when I was a kid. When I was like mm-hmm. maybe 15, 16, I went through this phase where I felt that everybody in the world should experience psychedelic drugs, including our president. I was like, you know what? If yep. our president dropped some acid, things would be a lot better around here. And and at that time I was a big Jim Morrison fan. In fact, you know what? <clears throat> Statute of limitations is well up on this. I thought I thought about it. Here it goes. I now nah, I gotta stop. I killed, I killed a hooker once. <laughs> no, no, you can't stop. You can't stop. You're I was a big proponent, like I said. So the way that like we talk about bodybuilding now, imagine me at sixteen, basically teaching everybody about LSD. That's right. pretty much who I was. Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. Your yeah. Podcast. No, there was no podcast back then, but I did look into, I did really look into pirate radio though. There was a free radio Berkeley would sell these like backpack kits and you could do like your own radio show. And I was contemplating setting that up. Did you watch the movie pump up the volume? That movie was so fun. Yeah. You watch pump up the volume. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It was before that. I wanted to do that though. But yeah, that was, was, it was a great movie, but yeah, Yeah, that that was a great movie. There were, there was a point like, I remember like, basically setting up the entire city like everybody was like let's all we're all going to do acid at the same time like kind of thing like there was like 50 people friends all over the place we're all going to do acid like saturday night at 8 p.m friends and their friends and their friends it was like literally everybody in the whole city was look at you you're like the original (laughs) like before this whole podcast community formation thing you know united in thought sort of spirit was like alive in you at that age people used to come over my house when they were tripping out you just said oh yeah i was gonna set up a pirate radio station and now what do you do you've done like ten thousand hours of podcasts 
people used to come to my house when they were tripping out because they like just want to talk to me and like get some insights and she's fucking and just be dying. Guided. I'm bringing her to your house. <laughs> I'll never like that. Don't bring her to my house. Can't call. Can't call. <laughs> oh, that's that is that is a perfect segue into the next question, which is Quentin Tarantino. I he's underrated because I think he's one of the greatest greatest directors of all time absolute genius of cinema and i'm an absolute fanboy yeah yeah all the bullshit i think he's fucking awesome and there's people that don't like him for some reason really? so that means he's not rated high enough That's if people opinion. don't like him then i agree with you because i thought he would be accurately rated like because i feel like which is not an option I'm not an option <laughs> We are back to not it. We have to commit. We have to commit. But I didn't so realize I there were people fuses. that didn't like him. I didn't realize well, there were people I, that didn't like him. So I use the general consensus as my barrier over under, right? So what's the general yeah. consensus? And even if the general consensus is that, see, I'm back to using this now, Dusty. I might as well just do this. <laughs> just do it right? flat-handed. Do it flat-handed. It's somehow better. What if I do it? What if I do it with my two fingers while I'm going like this? Well, that's Does it fine. matter that's totally, if I have it okay. up here? So let's Make say that you're rated. Let's say Tarantino is rated here. That means that there's that there's still people that don't like him, and I think that he's underrated and should be rated here. Okay. All right, that makes sense. So that's how I'm doing. I, I back that. Okay. Yeah. Yes. You just you just totally reminded me. Now you just sniffed your finger afterwards. That was. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Follow up question. I, I was like, Wait. what yes. was his best movie? Tarantino's best movie. For both of you. But for me, it's Pulp Fiction without question. But it's also timing of my life with that. Because yeah. I think I was ready for that movie at that time. Because I really... I, so that was the first movie I ever saw where I watched the movie in its entirety. And then I realized on my second, third, fifth, 500th time watching it, that it doesn't matter at what point you walk into that movie, you're good to go. Because you're in the beginning. Or is it the end? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. It... it, it- I, like I, 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 know, I don't want to sound like you know. I'm trying to, you know, some people hate this sort of shit, but that movie transformed the way I looked at movies. I just thought, oh, there's so many different things you can do. This guy is just not. He doesn't give a fuck. And I was aware of Tarantino because I'd watched Reservoir Dogs and I'd seen True Romance, and I knew his own backstory that he worked in a video store and was writing scripts trying to sell something. And, you know, he's just a broke-ass movie fan that worked in a movie store. He worked in just a video store. And he was writing scripts, like, fucking trying to make it. And so I knew that story. And when I saw Pulp Fiction, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, this guy's going to make movies that no one else is capable of making. He's going to tell these... This guy's going to tell stories where all the rules get broken. And that was really great. And he was... That's what... I mean, cinema needed that. I've watched this thing about cinema coming out of the 80s. And how movies were made a certain way in the eighties, yeah. and Tarantino was one of the guys, kind of like the you know, like Nirvana was one of the bands coming out of Seattle. Tarantino was one of the fresh directors coming up in the very early nineties that was that was not going to make eighties movies. Yeah, right. You know, it was going to make a different movie, a darker, grittier, more 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 challenging to watch, like both with like what's happening on the screen and with the story, like making people work a bit. Like you got to listen to my dialogue. These guys are going to talk and I'm going to make you listen. 
And if you don't like dialogue, then you're not going to like my movies, and that's fine. But my movies are about the people having conversations. That's a theme with all of Tarantino's movies. Like, real life is just us talking to one another over breakfast. Yeah. Right. Real life is us sitting at the gate, Dusty, waiting for the plane, blabbering about bullshit that's, that might be boring. Mm-hmm. Right? And might have nothing to do with our day. But that's the thing about 80s movies that was like a thing, was like all the dialogue was story related. Right. And it was yeah. all like that sort of driven. And and that's not how people live their lives, right? Like most of the dialogue isn't about the story. It's not mm, about what right. we're doing. It's bullshit, you know? So Tarantino did that in his scripts. And it was like weird because these guys are like driving to a bank robbery or whatever the <laughs> fuck they're doing, talking about burgers. Yeah, something completely right. different. <laughs> That's that's you know it's funny though, Ron, and it's I, I have to ask you this because it bothers me. I go to movies, I'm always disappointed now because I feel like I'm waiting for someone to do something that's never been done now. Because I literally feel like not only am I watching the same fucking movie, but I'm watching it played out the exact same way as well. Yeah, like, you know, and if you look across all, a lot of avenues. That's the thing in, in music, in sports. It's very hard to do. I mean, like, Dennis Rodman couldn't be Dennis Rodman now. He's been morphed 700 times by people trying to look like Dennis Rodman. Right. And he can't do it. So I, I don't know. Like, it, it's, it, it's not that I'm stuck in the old ways or as much as I – or maybe I am. I'm just in denial. But, like, I look back at those and I'm like, when is there going to be a movie like Pulp Fiction that comes out that you're just like, what the fuck was that? You know, yeah. you walk out yeah. and look for it. Whereas now it's like, all right, this is going to, I used to, I guess what it is, I used to go to movies and like fall into them. It was like I went off the planet for two hours. Huh. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So remember I told you I turned off Doctor Strange? Yes. So I turned off another movie since then. I've turned off two movies in the last like two weeks. Mm-hmm. And and um, I tried to watch just because I heard like again crazy reviews about this movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Okay, have you heard of that movie? No, I have. Well, I I thought I'd give it a try, and it's it's another movie. The reason I thought I'd give it a try is because I do think that the metaverse idea is interesting. It was about this mm-hmm. woman who was shifting between all these different realities, right? So I thought, oh, this might be awesome. You know, like I love that Tom Cruise movie where he was stuck in the time loop, the edge of tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Yep. Remember? So I thought, well, I'll give this movie a go, you know, because, I, you know, she's stuck in this reality loop where she's bouncing around between realities. So I started watching it. I got, it was, so it's like two and a half hours long. I got like an hour in. Like that's a lot of investment to yeah. turn a yeah. movie off. I got an hour in and I just gave up. I was like, ah, oh, I can't. I don't give a fuck. And the problem was I didn't give a fuck. Yeah, that's why I don't watch movies. Hour, they had an hour to make me give a fuck, and they didn't. And mm-hmm. I don't know what I need. I don't know what specifically it was that I need that that movie just and the, the Doctor Strange movie just wasn't giving me. I don't know. I'm so. not willing to commit two hours of my life to that when I've been disappointed so many times. I'm. I feel the way 
Dusty explained, and that's why I, when you, when you guys are like, "Hey, did you see this movie?" Most of the time, I haven't. I just I don't want to invest the two hours. I'd rather do something so, else. I had this conversation with someone. I w- we were talking about how TV used to be the short story, the quick hit. Yeah, yeah. And movies were the big experience. But now a movie's only in ninety minutes, two hours. It's a quick story. They got to cut a lot of corners. They got to fill a lot of gaps. There's plot holes. They got to make things move quickly. True. The TV yeah. show is the big tale. Yeah, it really That's is, isn't the it? Big tale. That's the ten episode. You have lots of time to explain everything and fill all the holes. Yeah. And make sure the plot makes sense. And make not sure only the story's that. not. Make sure the story's not fucking stupid. Yeah. Right. And it's it, just completely changed. And you fall in love with the characters. Like, you become their friends. If you've been yeah. watching a show for three seasons and you've watched them for 36 hours now, you know that person. You relate to that person. You know what their motivations are. You know how they're going to react to things. And then when somebody walks up and puts a gun to their head or they get sick and something, they die, yeah. you feel it. Because, like, you have an emotional connection you could never develop in a two-hour movie, you know? So one of the so yeah and that's because tv shows remember how tv shows used to just be standalone episodes like there'd be yeah. you know 20 episodes of a show and there might be stuff that crossed over like right you know in a comedy show like friends and seinfeld like those great epic comedy dynasty shows you know cheers shows like that that were just epic comedy dynasties there would be storylines that through throughout them, like Sam and Diane getting together at the end, finally, you know, and yeah. like yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But but each episode was essentially standalone. Like you just watch it by itself, cool. and it would be there'd be funny stories happening within just that episode, right? But yeah. now TV is is its big long story arcs where like everything is continuing throughout, and and they 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 they're just everything's shifted. Yeah. So I like how the new shows too with television, Dexter's my favorite example of this, is you have a season plot, but then you also have an episode plot. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, that's the beginning and yeah. ending yeah. of every episode. But I dig that too because one thing I hate with shows do now too is I don't like shows where I watch an hour or 45 minutes, whatever it is, and realize that its only job was to link episode three and episode five. Yeah. Bridge episodes. I'm like, you motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> like, nothing yeah. Ha- I, I wish they would say, this is a bridge episode, so wait till next week and watch them both, and you'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. I remember one famous episode that that reminds me of was that one Breaking Bad episode called The Fly. Which one was that? It's the episode where the pretty much the entire episode is Walter White by himself in the new lab that they built underground. Oh yeah. Yeah. And there's a fly in the lab. Yeah. I remember that. (laughs) And, and pretty much the, it's like a weird episode that is kind of a bridge episode. Mm -hmm. And it's just like Walter White, like chasing this fly around the lab, trying to kill it. Yeah. I remember that. And, and I remember a lot of people talked about it. They were like, that was a weird episode. Like we didn't really even need that episode. Right. And then I remember the writer came out and said something about it. Huh. He's like, yeah, we do need that episode. Watch it again. Walter White is losing his fucking mind. Yeah. yeah. Right. He said, Walter White is obsessed with perfection. And that fly represents like the littlest 
imperfection in his lab and his product and his business model and his domination of his what inability he's doing. to control. Yeah. Yeah. He needs right. to control everything. Like that is the, the, the episode that shows him like, like, whoo, get ready. He's about to like, you know, go someplace. <laughs> I remember that. And it's I remember awesome. feeling yeah. that too. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. Like afterwards, you know? Yeah. But yeah, Tiki's great now. Um, I, but uh, to answer the question about Tarantino, one thing, it is arguable. It, it's arguable to say that the best thing he ever did was the Kill Bill movies. Oh, those are good. Yeah. Story wise, story wise, and 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 some of the stuff he did, and that you know how how they simply had to turn it into two movies because his story was just too big, and that that could be maybe considered the best thing he ever did. Technically, did you guys ever see anything I, from David Lynch? Yes. He's a weird dude. Yes. Very really weird, weird dude. Best are. <laughs> One of my favorite directors, though. I, I really liked his stuff a lot. Didn't didn't, what are some of didn't his? he do Jacob's Ladder? I think he might have. Yeah, did I think he, he might have. He did some weird stuff like earlier on. Um, did he do Crash? I think, yeah, he like did the that. the first crash. It was about the car crash people. And then he did Twin Peaks. The TV yeah, the show. Be, oh, Mulholland Drive. My, Mulholland oh, Drive sorry. was a good one. Yeah, Mulholland Drive, Lost Highway. That Lost was Highway great. was kind of a weird movie. Yeah. Um, Wild at Heart was good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, he didn't do. I guess he didn't do that first crash. I don't know who I'm thinking of, but yeah, David Lynch is Blue wild. Velvet. Oh yeah, Blue yeah, Velvet? yeah. So Blue Velvet was like um, Dennis Hopper. I yeah, and I remember that was I, I was pretty young. I must have been like thirteen. Yeah, and I remember getting into you know how kids watch movies, right? People just watch movies. They go, oh, "We're gonna go rent a movie." You know what I mean? But I remember when I was like twelve, thirteen, fourteen. I remember sort of noticing that I was more of a cinema guy. Like I was more into movies than other people. Yeah, right. and I remember I would I would. I would I wouldn't just go to Blockbuster and go to the new releases and like just grab the action movies or whatever most people my age did. I would go into the store and I would tell the guy like what's a really awesome movie that's fucking awesome. And I remember the guy actually showed me Blue Velvet. And it blew, I mean Blue Velvet was made in the, in what the 80s? Late, so like it was yeah, already it would have been 80s, yeah. It was already like on the old movie rack. Like it wasn't in the new releases and he's like that's a fucking crazy movie with crazy characters, a great script and I remember yeah. being like I'm going to watch it. And I remember it was like David Dennis Hopper was fucking, was fucking weird. In he that was movie. one of the scariest bad guys I've ever seen in my life in that movie. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, he was a great actor, and uh, and Blue Velvet was a classic. I got to meet David Lynch one time. He did a, a workshop <laughs> on creativity. It was like the weirdest place too. It was called the Maharishi School of Management, which was like this school of transcendental meditation in like southern iowa and me and my girlfriend drove out there to be part of his workshop for three days and it was like a cult basically and, and he's and he's part of it feeling. and he is part of it you know he's part of transcendental meditation and we went there and and it was when we listened to him talk for like three days it was weird it was cool he's such a strange I remember, guy though. but I, that that's cool he didn't have the weird hair he does. And you know what? I, I think that like him compared to Tarantino, he wasn't able to connect enough to mainstream 
to be able to really make the impact that Tarantino did. Like he made a lot of important changes to television, I think with Tin, Twin Peaks and filmmaking, but like his dream sequences and stuff, I think are still used today. Yeah, that's him. But he, he, he was too weird to be like accepted by mainstream media, I think is what it came down to. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we should have a little bit of a segment where one of you guys explains to our younger audience what a movie story is. Um, <laughs> I, I also remember... There's a lot I, of confusion happening right now. Yeah, it was... Blue Velvet was the 1986. Okay, that and sounds I remember, right. So I was only 11 when that movie came out, and wow. I must have been watching it when I was like 13, 14. And I remember um, I told my brother, I go, yeah, I just watched it. Have you ever see Blue Velvet? And my brother's all obviously older than me, so he's like, yeah, I saw it in the theater. Huh. And I was like, oh, I just watched it. And he's like, oh, Isabella Rossellini. Oh. <laughs> he's like, take her to the gym. And <laughs> take her wait. to the gym. <laughs> Have her take you to the gym. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, God. All right. I got, I got another one. Sorry. Over, under. Overrated, underrated. Having an IFBB pro card. Damn. It feels like a trap, but we're all retired, so you can say whatever you need. I'm going to say underrated. <laughs> underrated. Completely underrated. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to say underrated, too. Yeah. I just am so... Nothing can ever take mine away, and and um, it does help a lot. In, it still helps a lot. for. It still helps me a lot. Like I, It's part of what I was able to achieve, and it's part of why people maybe listen to me a little bit more than they would. Like For, for me... It has a lot of value mm-hmm. be- because of my age and the people that know me. But for someone who's, say, 24 years old, it might not have much value at all or impact their life at all because they are so capable or making money in other ways. And maybe they're already making fucking great money another way. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? It's just, it's not the same that it used to be. For me, it still has a lot of value. Right. What about you, Scott? You didn't, you didn't go into any depth. You know what it is, is that I think we hear too much about how turning pro doesn't change your life that, you know, and yeah, you're probably not going to be, you know, on the cover of a magazine just because you get your pro card and that it's no big deal because there are so many pros today and that anybody can get a pro card, which isn't necessarily true. I will say that it's still hard to get a pro card and you still have to be a really good bodybuilder to do it. Um, and, and, And sure, there are a lot more of them today. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's like that's that's the pinnacle achievement of what we try to do as amateur bodybuilders. I, I think it's 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 still of great value, in my opinion, because just because, like I said, that that is that is the goal, you know. And sure, it doesn't matter that you can't. It doesn't matter that you can't. Uh, you know, you're not going to be on a magazine and you're not going to get a million dollar check just because you turn pro. I think when we talk about all that, though, we forget about, you know, how great it really is to achieve it. I think you're, I, I'm glad you guys answered that way because the reason I put it in there is actually because of something a client said to me recently, having nothing to do with that. But um, <clears throat> he, he reached out and he said, Hey, I want to do this show. And he, it was a local show. And he said, My goal in my bodybuilding life is to win this show in the next three years. And his follow-up was, and I know that isn't much to you. Hmm. And I immediately was like, that's absolutely wrong. 
that's your fucking Olympia. Like, I get it. I remember winning my first overall. So that's why kind of why I brought into the effect is because I think people lose track. Like, do I think that winning the pro card for Phil Heath was probably like a huge deal? Like, no, he probably knew he was going to win it on his way to going to get it. Yeah. But he needed it to go do other things. And I could say for me, it didn't change anything like, <clears throat> like Ron was mentioning as far as even finances. I was making six figures as a bodybuilder, but was an amateur. Um, so that wasn't a huge thing for me. But I will tell you that I can tell you before I turned pro how many times people are like, oh, you're a pro, huh? And I go, no, I'm actually not. And I do remember the first time I got to say yes. And that was a good moment. <laughs> right. it, it meant nothing. But the guy was like, are you a pro? And I said, I am. That's cool. Nice. It is. <laughs> you know, so it was a small deal. So, you know, that's kind of why it was like a trap question because people do hammer that away so much. And it doesn't have the same trading value as it did when we turned pro. In 2014, that meant, you know, if you went to an event, all you had to do was say you were a pro or go to a gym and say you're a pro. Because there weren't many, and there are definitely a lot more. But the value, I think, the point for me is the value is, is personal. You know, for me, if it never made any more money, it was a huge goal because I understood that I wasn't really made for this. Is there a way I can do it anyways? You know, so so that winning my right. pro card was my Olympia. I knew my career essentially, as far as on stage, ended that day. Hmm. But I was like, good, it ended with a win. <laughs> so. That's that one. Okay, I got I got one more because I want to see what everyone's reaction is here. Um, but I'm but I'm pointing it a little bit after this weekend. So it is Joe Rogan's comedy. Oh, his stand up specifically. Yes, <clears throat> yeah, stand-up. vastly underrated. Joe, yeah, vastly underrated. I'm gonna say yeah, overrated. overrated. I'm gonna say overrated. Just no, just to no. be different. But I have a reason. But I ha- but I have okay. a reason. I have a reason. Okay. All right. Okay. So. Um, I, I'm blown away when people don't know that Joe Rogan does stand up. Like that's what <sighs> he is and that's where he comes from. That is his roots. Mm-hmm. Like he is a stand up comic that, that got it, got onto TV and landed a sitcom and got on news radio and got on fear factor and was like, Holy shit, I have another job on TV. I can't believe I lasted more than one show. And like that, that's right. Joe Rogan. And, and, and also that whole UFC thing, that is just pure passion for UFC dragging him into that black hole. Yeah. Like, you know, just when you love something and you surround yourself with it and everyone gets to know you that, you know, that's how that wound up. He wound up commentating for them because he knows what he's talking about and he loves it and he wanted to do it. And he probably did it for fucking free to start. You know what I mean? Like, who yeah. knows? And um, so, yeah, that's that's where he comes from is stand up comedy. And his his comedy's awesome. Like, go back and watch his first special. I think it's called Flying Monkeys in Space. He's got like a beret hat on. Yeah, you know, yeah. and 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 he's wearing like a long like yellow shirt. I think I remember the how it looks, but that's hilarious. And that's like his goofy young comedy, like you know, like. And then he just evolves over that. He's all his specials are great. All of them are great. I think Joe Rogan's stand up is like, yeah, I mean, he's like he's like a gunslinger stand up comic. Like he knows exactly what he's doing. He's really good. Well, <clears throat> What's yours, Scott? Now you you're, you went underrated or overrated? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm gonna say overrated because he. I think his comedy is okay. I think he's funny. I think he's entertaining, and he does a good job at it. But his comedy is nowhere near what the rest of his life is. Like his ability to talk about what comedy is 
is on a level that nobody else has. His ability to break things down and explain stuff, his podcasting is some of the most important podcasting that has ever happened in the world. Comparatively, his comedy, I could put a lot of other guys up and say, oh, I like this guy better than Joe Rogan. Mm -hmm. But I think that as a person, as a whole, the most important thing he's done is his podcast. Like, And I had been listening to it. I haven't listened to the stuff as much recently. Before Jamie, there was Brian Redband. I don't even know if you guys remember Brian. Oh yeah, I met I met Redband. Did you? Where'd you meet him? Yeah, I met him at the AVNs. Oh no, the Port Awards makes total sense. <laughs> yeah, you know who he was walking around with? Who's that? Doug Doug Benson. I don't know who that is. He's like a massive pot comic. Oh no, kidding. Doug Benson. He yeah he he made you know that that McDonald's movie. Um, with a guy who eats another McDonald's. Supersize me. Days, super size super me. Size me yeah. 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 Well, Doug Benson made super high me or something. Where oh, smoked, I like, know who he is. Yeah, yeah. He smoked like chronically smoked all day every day for thirty days just to see like how yeah. he felt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fucking funny. But like, I listened to Rogan back in the Brian Redband days. Uh, that yeah. would have been like two thousand and twelve, two thousand. Yeah, he was still, He was still doing the show when I met him. He was still doing the show. And and like, and I got a photo with him. I think even back then, like it was before, like people, everybody in the world knows who Rogan is now. But even back then, he was doing that shit and he's only gotten better and better and better at it. So his comedy, it's good, but his comedy will never, he'll always like be a podcast host to me. And like what he's done with that is literally world changing. It's influenced so many people, changed so many lives. You know, yeah. what's funny is that's, that's why I asked because my, my answer is actually in reverse here, Scott, for that reason. Okay. Because I, I knew Rogan first because of my age as Fear Factor. Mm. No idea who he was. He was no Fear kidding. Factor first. Yeah. Then he was UFC. Then he was a podcaster. And I've known the whole time he did comedy, but I never experienced it. So seeing him live, I was stunned at like how animated he was and his expressions and – he definitely he's very he's got like a physical said, yeah oh, there's a physical the, element way, to his comedy yeah there is fucking big by the way he is fucking big <laughs> he walked out on stage and this is the bodybuilder in you that makes you feel like you're questioning well, your sex he's only, he walked out and I go he, your legs are fucking huge <laughs> he's 5'7 he's so he's not a big guy like he's 5'7 but no, he's, yeah. he's he's got but muscle he's on him yeah he trains hard yeah yeah. I was like fuck but he, he did he put on a show and the, my favorite thing is a, a comic whose act has got a beginning, a middle, and an end, and he ties it all at the end and fucking slams it in your face. His final joke, as soon as he finished it, I go, this is over. Like, I knew. Like, that was it. Yeah. He stamped the fucking show, threw his hand up, and I was like, damn, all right. You know, like, I walked out of there, like, thinking about every joke he put, but how he essentially weaved it all together for the finish. He's very specific. Like, some comics... Some comics have a real wandering, improvish feel to them, yeah. and and it can be great. Um, and they their set might be a lot different, a lot more different every night. But Rogan is constructing a final product that is like yeah. he's it's like one big long song. Like those parts go there, and that's where they go. And he's nailing it, and he's working it, and so they all hit perfectly. And that last joke is like the bow on the first joke. And it just yep. goes, boom! It comes full circle. Yeah, that's how he he usually always does that. You you nailed Somehow. it because the first the first 
two acts, which were great, and I was crying, laughing. But the first guy, I actually thought he forgot some of his jokes from a part of this, the set, so he just tossed them in later. He's like, oh, yeah, and the other uh, reason that I'm not uh, I'm not a racist is this. And I'm like, oh, I thought you we were, were talking about that. being a racist like 20 minutes ago. Yeah, so it's like he just, it's, literally it's like he remembered he had forgotten a joke. Yeah, and, toss it, and they were it was still funny, but like you said, I'm watching him, and I I felt like I was watching a movie as it was going. I'm like, wow, like I, I guess what I realized with his comedy is you could see how how intelligent he is because there's a fucking plan. Yeah, you know, and I, and I think intelligence is always something that I'm just brought in by because I'm like, he, you, you put some thought into this, and you sat down and, and really had a plan beginning to end. Because when it ended, like I said, it was like an abrupt fucking hit, and I'm like, we can go, and I just stood up, like, All right, good. Yeah, it, it's um, he's very efficient uh, with his words, like he's, it's all put together, like you know, like you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, he's great. It's it's like um, Bill Burr. Every time I've seen Bill Burr, he has the ability to be going on like a hundred miles an hour this way, and then take a sidebar. And the sidebar makes you forget where you were going. Right. And then all of a sudden he finishes the sidebar and boom, you're on the road again. Yeah. Where you were. And you're like, oh, fuck, we're nice back way to putting that it. joke again. Yeah. Well, I forgot about the joke we were on. We're back on the fucking joke that he was setting up. You know, I remember one time he, he said, like, I'm OK. I'm going to guy. I'm going to tell you guys a helicopter joke. Like, he actually said that. And he yeah. starts telling this story and like it sidebarred like fucking viciously. And I forgot we were. And then he goes, okay, so we're in the helicopter. <laughs> and they're like, oh, fuck. Okay, we're back in the helicopter. I'm going to find out what happens in the helicopter, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they, they're, they're good. Those guys have it's an art form. It's a, it's a real talent. It's like being the front man in a rock band, you know? Like you're, mm-hmm. you're not just singing the words. You have to deliver the message. Right, you know, Which is, it's and exactly what he did. Gold, yeah. gold for sure. Yeah. So if he comes to your city, trust me. And by the way, I can't believe what your money gets you now. I think we spent like a hundred and fifty bucks for the fourth row. Nice. I was like, I mean, three hundred total. But I walked in and we're like walking down, and I just, I just remember what I paid. I'm like, get the fuck out. I'm sitting down here yeah. for $300. It was like such a, I mean, I felt like an amazing value for that, you know, because I'm thinking if they had doubled that, about worth it. And like, he did a yeah, full so hour, right? Like it was 60 minutes strong, right? That's the kind oh, of the yeah. rule. Yeah. Comics oh, want to yeah. deliver an hour. That's the big thing is, is it's it like- was two and a half hours uh, for the three of them. So, I mean, it was really worth the money and he was worth it all by himself, you know? Yeah. Very, that's very, how I very felt good. Too. That's yeah. cool. Okay. Yeah, that's a good so that's one. That's it for I, this this week's overrated, underrated, yeah. Warren Scott's accurately rated. <laughs> I, <laughs> we just, I've got two things. I've got I'm a taking question. Risks. I'm over here taking risks, Dusty. I know. You live in America and Scott's up in Canada. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I've got two things. I've got a question from Patreon, but I had a question for Dusty, too. It, it, I thought of this when we were talking about uh, underrated, most underrated bodybuilder you've seen in person. And we started yeah. telling stories. Ron was telling stories about like guys from years ago that he met. And I thought about it and I realized we've never heard 
any stories about you training at Gold's Venice with Chris Cormier. Chris Cormier was your trainer at some point. Mm-hmm. Like we've literally yep. never talked about that and you've never told us any Chris Cormier stories. So I wanted to hear something Chris Cormier related. Uh, well, I mean, Chris was great because there's a few things that I really enjoyed about Chris. And, and I think I wish more people would train with someone like him because for example, Chris used to, you know, when you know, you got to go, I, I, number one, I hate a trainer who stands there silently. I need you in my fucking set with me. You know what I mean? So Chris is going and let's say he says, all right, because I'd start at the beginning of a set and I'd go, how many reps are you going for? And he goes, I don't know. 15. Like, yeah. Okay. You start cranking, right? And I'd get to 12 and he'd go five more. Yeah. In the beginning, it was a distraction for me. I'm like, five, that's 50, that's 17. I'm, you're not great at math. And then you get going and he realizes you still have more in you. You'll get three or four more reps and he'll go five more. Yeah. And eventually I literally had to learn because it was actually a distraction for my brain for a while. I had to learn to completely ignore him and just go. You know what I mean? Right. So that was yeah, a huge you, Yeah, you don't want to get distracted. Plus. Yeah, because it's like you realize, and I, I think this is something that I train my clients with all the time is I hate when people, you ever noticed, you know, I'm saying this to all the listeners, you say to yourself, I'm going to get 15 here. And you're cruising at 13 and all of a sudden the fucking lights shut off at 14. You didn't actually get that fucking tired at 14. You predetermined you were getting 15. Yeah. And that's why you fucking petered out right at 15. Like, that's why I'm a big fan of, I, I write rep ranges for people. And I tell them, I want you shooting for the high end of that range. And if three reps in, you know it's too light, stop and add the weight. If not, keep going. Um, but as far as the best Cormier story, so when I first got working with Chris, he, he wasn't to who he is now. And what I mean is he fell on a little bit of, of hard times after bodybuilding, after his career on the stage was over. And I kind of felt like Chris forgot who the fuck he was. Huh. Like, to me. You know? So I reminded him pretty regularly, like, do you know who the fuck you are? Because you, you've got this attitude of a guy who's been through tough shit, and I get it. But you're the bad motherfucker who was before that still. And you can push back through it and still be him moving forward. And so one workout, we were training legs, and we were filming, actually, uh, for my YouTube. And uh, I decided to talk shit to him the entire workout. And I, I actually, I, I realized the moment that I actually pissed him off <laughs> because it started getting really good. And uh, I, it's probably the first time ever that I, I remember the workout ended and I got up off the, um, the last moment we did and I went to grab my water bottle. It was on the ground, kind of like a quick lunge step to get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my knee gave out and I actually fell. <laughs> And I had to like regather myself. And I just remember, cause I looked at him and I'm like, do we both remember who you are now? <laughs> right. I mean, he beat the fuck out of me. And it was, but the thing is, and this, I will say this for those who think that makes you a good trainer. It wasn't like the trainer who's like, I'm going to just go until I fuck this guy up. It was very well planned. I was torched top to bottom perfectly. And he just remembered who he was. And he also knew who I was, which meant he could take it further than he had been. Chris was a phenomenal coach. Um, I don't remember what I paid, but it wasn't enough because the amount of information he would give during a workout, after a workout, the, the gems he didn't even realize he was telling me. Yeah. 
you hear stuff and it's like they're just speaking and you and you're like what wait what happened you know what i mean so i would i've trained with a lot of good people i would put him as someone to pay for training against anybody no kidding because he loves training. That's the other thing. And Ron and I talk about this all the time. If your base for bodybuilding is that you love to fucking train, you're a different thing. Yeah. And and I just enjoyed every second of the time with him. And I got fortunate because back then, like, we'd get done and we'd go eat dinner and hang out. I mean, I'd spend essentially five, six hours a day with him three days in a row. So the amount of information and education I got from him for whatever piddly money I was spending – was ridiculous so yeah he's phenomenal i i'm glad to see he's thriving now and deserves, yeah, he is. you know wonder if we could ever get him on that'd be cool i'd get him on heartbeat we should i've already interviewed chris he was really good to interview yeah yeah i interviewed him live at the booth at like FIBO one year he came to the mutant booth and sat and when we were doing live youtube streaming in like 2012 yeah 13 mm-hmm when it was like we had to carry around this giant telecaster and all this equipment i remember <laughs> yeah and i it was 2013 we did the live before periscope came out right like it was before all that mm-hmm. and we were trying to do live streaming from the booth it was so fucking crazy and i had cormier on my show and he told me a bunch of great stories like he would have some great stories for sure yeah like like he said i remember his take like you know people ask me about cardio and i'm like i don't care when you do it just get it done right yeah but mm-hmm. Chris has got that extra, like, I go, uh, I go, oh, yeah, what's your take on, like, I don't know why we started talking about cardio, because I would never ask someone, like, what type what of, kind of cardio do you, do you use? Yeah, like, <laughs> never, ever would. But it just came up, because I remember yeah. he said, I remember he said, like, oh, you know, yeah, it might not matter when you do your cardio, but I like to get my clients up at six in the morning, and we fucking go do, we walk outside, or we go do a cardio, get on the treadmill, get on the stepper. And he goes, it might not make you any better physically, but it's really fucking brutal. Because, so I make him do it. Like I drag him out of bed, fucking getting <laughs> fucking like doing road work like a boxer. Yeah. Just to make you tough. Like you gotta toughen up. Get on the fucking treadmill. Like I know you don't want to get up. Get up. Like and I remember just that attitude. So however that attitude manifests itself in you, I think it it is very helpful. Oh, and yeah, so as sure. a, as a I know that as a coach he he was you know telling me that that's something he he demands so you know the old school toughness so yeah I'll get him I'll get him on Scott cool I'll, I'll text him today I think Love people to would enjoy him. that I would yeah. enjoy that I had one other thing you had one yeah this yeah, is from one more thing this is uh, this is from Patreon so I had to remember to to get it on the show uh, Sean Welsh. Says, uh, I wanted, uh, let's see, a question. Da, 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 da. Um, do you guys find it odd when people uh, say that they placed in the top four instead of saying fourth place? I always found it odd. Uh, if I came in third, I'd say I came in third, not top three. Right. I get what he's saying. It doesn't bother me at all. I think the reason that people sometimes say that is just because we habitually do think of like it's important to tr- like, okay, I got to make the top three because the top three get mm. trophies and I want to make right. the top five because the top five qualify for the next show. Yeah. Or I just hope I make the top 10. Like there's these sort of pre set top 
numbers that bodybuilders already have just in our vernacular that we use as phrases. Yeah. So I think that sometimes when we place fourth, you know, we might have said our goal was top five, but we don't want to say we placed top five because we were fourth. So I think it just comes out. It's like just a natural evolution of terms and people don't mean to be like, they don't mean to sound silly or pretentious. I think that's just how people sometimes just say it. That's my take. I'm just happy that I'm not the only one that sees that and laughs their ass off. <laughs> I think the same thing. Like, here's the reason I say that. Because no one wins and goes, top five. Yeah, no I made the top five won. first place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and, and so it does, it never rounds. And that's why I love the question, because he's right. If you come in fourth, you don't say I come in fourth. You say, I came in, you know, the top four. Well, was it third? No. Second? No. Did you win? Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. So you got fourth. <laughs> Yeah, it's yes, a dumb term. Yeah, it's a dumb term. <laughs> it, 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 it's one of those things, like, you're right, Ron. It doesn't bother me, but I do laugh because I, 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 in my head, I'm like, you don't actually think that sounds better, do you? It's the same. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I think the only experience that I ever had that was better was um, after I had done the um, USAs once, uh, the following, I don't know, the fo- oh, I guess the North Americans, because I skipped North Americans. Um, a guy was in the gym and he had went and done the North Americans and uh, he was telling this girl, he goes, Oh, the class was huge. There were 28 guys in the class. He goes, so I know it doesn't sound very good. He goes, but I beat a lot of them. I got 16th. And I'm like, because they stopped judging at 15. Everyone gets 16th. Yeah. That was like, I wonder if he knows that or if he actually thinks he took 16th. I'm not sure, but it's very funny to me either way. A lot of people got 16th. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, yeah. you and everyone else between 15th and 28th. So I guess you got top 16. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's, that's a great question because I think it's funny too. It's I like little things that annoy me that shouldn't because it just proves I'm a child. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's it. No, I thought Dusty had questions. I thought you put up a question box. I have more questions. I can go for Wait, wait, how much? Questions. How much more time we got? We we're we good. Got it. We can still got a little bit. We got to go yeah, a little we, bit longer. We could go as long as you want, Ron. I well, got to go at least Ron, to this one. This world is all about you. Okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> See, people, I care. Okay, that's a good one, actually. Um, are there more legs or eyes in the world? Like humans? Like on humans, say. or does he include insects? I think he includes everything, so yeah. Huh. It's in the world, so I would I would say legs. I would say I'd legs. say there's yeah. more legs. Yeah. Huh. All right, good. Yeah. See? More legs. Let's see. Think of a centipede. Think of all the centipedes out there. Yeah, spider. Exactly. You know, an ant. I mean, spiders have eight eyes, but they have eight legs. So yeah, one to one. But most things, eyes. any insect most, has at least six, right? So yeah. Right, that's a good. So those are good questions. Um, let's Dogs. see. <laughs> Fucking Ron's questions are in here, so I had to laugh a little bit. Um, <laughs> let's see. I don't oh, even oh, remember oh, what I asked you. Well, good that I'm going to ask this. I'm going to ask this for everyone else. Is Ron's fucking me? So you guys have to answer now. Most romantic movie of all time. Blue Velvet. Oh. <laughs> Not quite. Is that romance? <laughs> oh god! I don't know if that's, that's what I'd call romance. Let's see. Well, come on, let's go. What's your answer? 
Oh, man. Wow. I mean, you say like Titanic? It's funny because I was thinking that I never saw Titanic. I so, turned it on one time and it was on in the background for like half a day. Like I didn't, I, I just kept, I, I just saw Titanic forever. in the theater. I saw it in the theater. It oh, was yeah. an epic movie. James Cameron did make a juggernaut of an epic visual fucking masterpiece of a movie. Yeah. And I remember holding in there, you know, just trying to appreciate this, this, the, the, you know, the scope of the film I was seeing on the big screen. So it was, it was like right. a good experience. It was a bit of a long movie, but they did a lot of character development. It was actually like a good movie. Like I remember being into it. I went with my girlfriend, of course, of course, right? She's balling like quite a bit near the end, like the ship sinking. And there's this, and like the, the final half hour of that movie, even like 40 minutes of that movie is very on, like it's fucking intense. And um, and there's some stuff that you see that is like just heartbreaking and like they, it's a it's a good movie. Like I know everyone makes fun of the Celine Dion soundtrack and it's a chick flick and all that, but I remember watching Titanic and being like, James Cameron did not fuck around with this movie. And um, they also did a lot of detail work in that movie though, because I yeah I just studied that Titanic as a kid, and the amount of information that was pure was accurate in that movie was off the charts. He, yeah, it was perfect. And I saw a documentary where they put a camera through like the Titanic and they showed yeah, the yeah. same rooms and then they showed split screen with how, <clears throat> how Cameron, where you were in the movie related to the shipwreck. You know what I mean? Right. Like it was, it was really interesting. But anyways, I will admit, and I'm not afraid to say this, I watched that entire fucking movie, sat there, watched my girlfriend cry, watched her friends cry. I sat there and just watched that movie and appreciated it. Oh, it's a good movie. It's very like, what an emotional ending. This is a very well-told story. And then, um, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio drowns in the movie. You know, the next thing you see, she's walking onto the shore as a, as a you know, essentially, you know, a, a rescued person, right? She's being unloaded off a boat. And then, of course, they're just there. They've lost everything, right? So they just say, what's your name? And that's where she yeah. says, Rose, and then instead of giving her own name, she gives his last name. She goes, Rose Dawson. And I just fucking exploded with tears. You're kidding me. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was like she got me. She fucking Damn. got me. Kate, Kate Winslet fucking delivered that line. And every guy that was not crying yet fucking lost it. And I remember my broke. two buddies that I was with were crying. It was like three couples. And afterwards we, afterwards, we went and ate dinner. We went and ate, and we were laughing about how we were all crying. We're like, we all fucking cried. Like, that's that was crazy. So, yeah, I got to say funny. Titanic. That was, a, that was a, like, you know, I haven't thought about that for a while, but that movie, like, they delivered, yeah. You know, I only watched it once. I'm not going to watch it again. I don't give a fuck about it now that I got the experience. But it was right. a giant old theater with, like, crazy surround sound and, like, fucking 20-foot screen, like, it was a it was a cool experience. That's fantastic. You know why I like asking Ron questions? Why is that? Because the answer is fucking phenomenal. It's good. We got to hear about like, him like the whole thing, uh, the date, the, the crying. On the regular, yeah. Ron will finish answering a question, and I'm like, "Cool, on to the next question." There's yeah. no reason for anyone else to answer no, that question. No, that's the way I feel it's right fucking now. Fucking amazing. I'm like, "Good job." On to the next. You're gonna do better than that. Not doing. me. You know, fucking no way. Uh, <laughs> not touching that shit. Moving right along. Because uh, I mean, I'd be like, I'd be like this movie. 
Yeah, I saw this movie. It was awesome. <laughs> it was very right. emotional. Yeah. Anyways, I got laid. My true answer is uh, Field of Dreams because come on, now, he did a lot for baseball. All right. Anyways, oh, um, <laughs> the love of the see. game, Ooh. Dusty. Oh, that was a great one too. He does he really love baseball that much, or is it a coincidence that he always does those movies? Yeah, he's yeah he's he a baseball must. fan. Yeah. Oh yeah. Gotta be. Yeah. Oh, Costner this is a good baseball. one. I know the answers, anyways, but we're going to do it anyways. What is your most high-risk investment that you've ever taken? I got married twice. Anyways, go ahead. Statistically, that's a 50-50 chance you're going to lose half of everything you own. Yeah. <laughs> see? See? So, right. uh, re- real answer now. What What is the highest-risk investment you've done? Well, I mean, I mean technically, probably like... I mean, crypto, probably. Some of the crypto I bought is probably pretty risky. You know, I risk yeah. some money on it being going up a lot in the future, you know, as technology takes another surge whenever it booms again. And, of course, the economy is a big thing right now, but tech will turn around. And, and yeah, I'd probably say that. But I'd say also, too, like the highest risk investment is probably the one you lost. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and, and I, I, I put a down payment on that condo one time. I told that story about that woman that wound up yeah. going to prison for embezzling all the money that the investors put oh, into that yeah. condo. Yeah. Yeah. She wound up going to prison. She's still in prison for that. So I lost like 40 grand to her. That was back yeah. when 40 grand, 40 grand was a down payment on a resort condo. That was when houses were cheap. Like it was 2006, I think. Oh, so it's still a ton of money, you know? Yeah. So I put 40 grand down for like a resort holiday condo at a golf, at like a, a, a golf resort that was all fucking certified by Jack Nicholas. Um, and uh, Jack Nicholas golf courses, and there was going to be a fucking Marriott hotel on it, and the government was involved with the land. Like, she conned everybody. Damn. Like, the Marriott, he was even, like, looking at the land. Like, the Marriott was, like, going to build a hotel. Like, And then the resort just completely was a huge scam. She took off with all the money. Huh. It's crazy. whole thing fell through. It's impressive, by the way. I yeah, feel like when I hear shit like that, everybody. and I say impressive, people think it's crazy, but it's like, I'm actually being serious because to put together that plan, she could have put that same effort into a real business <laughs> and it would have fucking cranked. I mean, I'm not even being like sarcastic. It's, like, yeah. it's, a, it's a factual thing. Like To pull the fucking wool over that many intelligent people's eyes, huge corporations, money, yeah, God, she could have yeah. just done the job. Fucking small businesses is, is actually a lot easier than that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm impressive that you wasted that much brain on that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I can't really. I mean, for my for me, the answer is difficult because I have had some misses. Um, but like you said, Ron, like I put the money into crypto like day one. Like if it would have went up twenty times. I wouldn't have touched it. So that's a lot of people because I know that I put a lot. I mean, I won't say a lot, but a pretty good chunk of money into crypto. They're like, oh, man, how do you feel about that now? I'm like, I don't at all. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't lost anything. It was never even a thought process. Like when it was dipping, I actually bought quite a bit more. Yeah. 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 Just said, cool. We'll see. And if I lose, I also don't care. Um, It would just be like, oh, that sucks. Uh, But. I would say the riskiest investment I ever did was when I bought my first business because I had never owned a business other than a small training thing, and I just went for it. And literally yeah. the only reason I knew it would work 
is because it fucking had to because I literally put every penny I had into to putting the money down. And I had enough money to like eat and I paid my rent and I said, right, I got to start making money now because I'm fucked yeah. if I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but the only reason I say that's not a risk is because it's the one thing I always knew was if my back is against the wall because I put it there, I just had a feeling that I'd figure it out, you know, and, and did. So, but I think for most people, that's their hang up. I get, I get those questions a lot. And I'm sure you do too, Ron. Well, people ask investment advice or what should I do for a side? Like, they're like, Oh, what should I do for a, for a side hustle? And I'm like, I don't know. I can think of like 5,000 things. I don't know what to tell you because I don't know what you do. Um, but yeah, that'd be the only thing I would say is risky just cause I was, it really went in, all in on me with every penny I had, which it was a little scary. You're like, I handed someone $49,000 cause it's all I had. And I was like, here we go. <laughs> Let's see, you know? Yeah. Oh, and then also took on a $500,000 note. So ouch. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Everything I think of that, that was and is a risk I feel like I couldn't see myself having done it any other way though, whether it worked out or not. I, I just feel like that was the way it was supposed to be, you know, like quitting my job to coach full time. Like I, you know, I, I could find a different job, I guess, if it didn't work out, you know, but like to me, it just wasn't an option anymore. Like I knew I wouldn't be happy. It, so to me, it's like there was risk with that and risk with not having like somebody else paying for your health care and 401k and stuff like that. But I couldn't see the, the, re, the it just wouldn't be worth it. You know what I'm saying? Like to me, it didn't feel like a, it doesn't feel, those things don't feel like risks to me, I guess. Does that make sense? No, it totally makes mm -hmm. sense. I, I hear that all the time because people will say that, well, oh, but then I, don't, I, I lose my health care and I'm like, yeah. You're going to bend your, your your entire decision of your career on a $400 a month or a $1,000 a month payment. Because I, I always feel like those are traps that businesses put into place to trick people into sitting. Yeah, it's absolutely. Like, you know, it's the same thing. I know a friend of mine who owns a, a very successful business. He used to work for a guy and he was cranking away. They gave him a company 750 Li BMW to drive, gave him a $20,000 watch all this shit and he said it hit him one day he was hustling and he's working it's late at night and he's in the office so it's one in the morning and he goes oh fuck they tricked me hmm. they gave me all this fancy bullshit but i don't own any of it hmm. and i'm making this guy a fortune so he literally right then and there walked into the office put his car keys on the desk left his car there freaking put the watch on the desk and a note that said i appreciate everything i'll see you soon and he opened up the same business and competed with him <laughs> and beat him. <clears throat> but, yeah. you know, but it was a genius move. And it's just, I just don't think people realize that. Same thing, like I've owned businesses and anytime I gave someone a raise, and I don't mean this to sound bad, I know a lot of people think they do, but all business owners do this. When you get a raise and you immediately go buy a new car, you just put your own golden handcuffs on. Yeah. You can't leave. You just fucked yourself. You, you literally, as soon as I gave you more money, you spent it. And that is, is a huge mistake that people make every fucking day, you know? It's like, and then when they want to make that risk, they're like, oh, I can't because I've got all this debt. And I'm like, well, who put that debt there? You did, asshole. Sell that shit. You can. Yeah. yeah. You, you can go from a five-bedroom house to a two-bedroom apartment with your family. You can do it. Yeah. As long I, as I think a lot of people. It's out of the way. I think a lot of people overspend. <clears throat> 
they overspend oh, yeah. on stuff. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of, a lot of things I'd like to do. Like, you know, I'd love to move into a house and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I could do it. I could do it, but I, you know, my expenses would go up a mm-hmm. lot. And right now I'm like in a good spot where I'm able to save and yeah. like, you know, do stuff. And I'm like, my life, I don't want my lifestyle to change. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm really happy where we're at, but Emily feels the same way. Like we're good with a condo for now. There's a big difference between being able to pay for something and being able to afford it. Yeah. 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 That's exactly it. Yeah. You know, know, the the good advice that, that I, that I, that I directly got from Jay Z, AKA I'm just fucking around and just put on the internet is if you can't buy something twice, you can't afford it. Yeah. That's great. You know, which is, which I know it's extreme, but to a point, it's true. Like, I wouldn't have bought that Harley if I couldn't have walked in and bought two of them on the same day. And I could have. It would have been no problem. You know, same thing with the house. I did not say, what's the maximum amount of money you can give me? Right. And I spent it. Right. You know? Yeah, and that's what people, people do, people though, do right? People people set a budget. They go, okay, I can afford 600 bucks a month for a car payment. Like, that's, that's the best my car limit. I can get then for I can, 600 Because then I can still do all this other stuff and I still have time to do my hobbies and I still have time to run my other side hustle business and I'll be, you know, sane and happy and functional. But then they come home from the lot with a car that's $1,100 a month. Mm, yeah. Like, okay, yep. now I just got to like, I only went 500 over budget. So I just got to like, I'll just work a little bit more and make a little bit more. But now they're giving up like their sane and happy time. And now yep. they're maybe not like as happy and as sane. And it's just, to me, it's just like, you have to know where your, like the life and, you know, the life you want to lead, like your day-to-day life, like you have to make choices that allow you to be, remain happy through most of it. Yeah. And I think that when you just, when debt gets too high, like, okay, they overspend 500 on the car and then they do yeah. the same thing on a condo yep. and they're like, okay, I can afford, you know, 2,500 a month. If full expenses for everything, you know, mortgage, bills, everything. And then when they buy their condo, they're like, hey, I'm at 32. Okay, well, that's only 700 over and I'm 500 over on the car. And it just gets out of hand. And now they're just not saving anything ever at all, ever. And then their credit card debt is accumulating. So now it's just like, fuck. Like, that's a huge percentage of Americans. Oh, for sure. That's off the chart. Yeah. I didn't realize, um, I can't remember what the study was, but there's actually something that says like, a certain percentage, I'm not even going to attempt a number, but it was really high for me. It shocked me that said, did not have an extra $500 saved. 500. Yeah. Oh, I've heard that yeah. too. That, just, yeah. that scared the shit out of me. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, oh, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying, yeah. I mean, because I, I had that when I was making eight bucks an hour. Like, that's just managing your money. It's not about how much money you have, it's what you do with it. Yeah. So, mm. wild, wild. Do we need anything else to finish this, Scott? Is that it for questions, buddy? I, I got one more. Good. I don't have any. Like, oh, good, good. I've got one. got one more to 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 ask you guys. In you know, this is going to be there's going to be a lot of variables here. This is from YouTube, and he's a subscriber. See that little thing next to his name? That means he's a subscriber. Oh, yeah. So thank you for that. And by the way, guys, we broke nineteen thousand subscribers. We we should hit twenty by the end of the year, which is cool. Um. He says, uh, who do you think is healthier, the average American, obese, not watching health markers, not exercising, etc., or an Olympia-level athlete running gear, 250 pounds, lean, etc.? 
And he also adds last five minute crew and niche. How do, not or niche. niche. Ne- no, it, n- he says niche, niche not, niche, not, not niche. niche. Yes. Nicely niche, done, sir. Niche. <laughs> that's funny. Um, that's a great question. So it's very possible that the Olympia level athlete would have worse blood work. Yeah. Right? So if you looked at blood work, the average American obese person might have, you know, you know, triglycerides are out of whack, cholesterol's not good, you know, there's some markers like that. Um, but the average Olympia guy might have something that's like wildly off, like his liver enzymes might be really high and he might have like, you know, bad HDL and some other stuff going on. It might actually look worse. However, the Olympia level athletes blood work is probably temporary in a lot of ways and their body is very healthy in the sense that it's going to recuperate and heal very quickly so when they make corrections things usually happen like if you need to like bring something down they can it's like guys that uh, guys like with bodybuilding experience and the nutritional awareness that we have we're able to usually plus our bodies are just more recuperative like you know, all this stuff with Dusty, like he was supposed to take three weeks to learn how to walk. Yeah. He just fucking got out mm-hmm. of the bed and walked. Cause like our bodies just heal faster. Everything gets faster or better faster. So it's very possible that the obese person, they might not have as bad a blood work, but their blood work just isn't correctable for like long term. Like they got to make like all these long term changes and they never make them. And, yeah. and you know, Obviously, age would be a factor. Are you using a 60-year-old person or a 30-year-old person to compare to the Olympia athlete, right? So, um, you know, that's sort of, you know what I mean? Like the Olympia guy might have worse blood work, but his body, in a sense, is probably healthier in a lot of ways. Well, for the moment. That's his the cellular repair is probably mm-hmm. healthier. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's probably aging less than the average person over time. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think if you talk about health, here's the way I would. Number one, I think a lot of bodybuilders are way too far. They don't have to be unhealthy. That's that. <clears throat> I feel like sometimes bodybuilders mimic the average obese American, which is the reason that they're so unhealthy is they're not paying attention. You don't right. have to be that unhealthy. You can make these decisions. I mean, I've seen Ron's blood work yeah. since retiring, and I've seen it during his career. And Dante's seen mine many times. And even when I'm like, ooh, I don't know about these numbers, he's like, are you kidding? (laughs) This is beautiful for where you're at. But let's just say, for argument's sake, you throw all that away, two people are both unhealthy and they're going to die when they're 45, which is super, super young. My answer to that question is, if you had to be the unhealthy of the two, do you want to be the one that chose the unhealth and their lifestyle and their quality of life or the one that did it subconsciously and killed themselves? Because that's how I look at the average American. Yeah, it was miserable. They're killing themselves and don't even know. They're unhappy. They don't want to take their shirt off at the pool. They can't play baseball with their son in the front yard because they made subconsciously made a lot of really bad choices. Yeah. You know? And again, I'm not even factoring in health. I'm just saying they're both going to die on their 45th fucking birthday. The end. Yeah. I would rather be the one that chose that consciously than the one that chose it subconsciously. You know? And again, great question because... It doesn't have to be that way. I think most bodybuilders who are very unhealthy, it's it's actually a mental issue because I know a lot of bodybuilders who get really bad blood work who experts tell them it's time to quit and they can't. Yeah, 
Yeah. And they're going to die because of it. That's a sad story for me. That's a mental disorder because I'm down. I mean, it's funny because I'm down pretty drastically actually in size from when I was my biggest and I don't miss it. Hmm. I did it. I checked the box. It was fun. It was awesome. I'm still much bigger than average people. Don't get me wrong, but it is drastic. I mean, when you're talking about competing at 270 versus walking around with body fat at 285, you're not nearly as big. And when I'm at 240, it'll be the same. So it's like, I feel bad for guys who can't just say, yeah, I did that. Check. It's time to move on. It's time to start doing flatland bicycle riding. I mean, hello. It's awesome. I spoke to, <laughs> I spoke to somebody off the record uh, over the weekend who um, is in the know with what's going on with some very high level bodybuilders. And he, we were talking about not using trend specifically. And there's Mm -hmm. three guys that he's kind of in charge of supplementation that are Olympia level that are not using trend because they find that it, they don't like the impact it has on their sleep and on their lab work and that they're, Mm -hmm. they're staying away from it using other things to be able to, keep their markers in a better place. So there's three people at the Olympia level that are being very mindful. You know, there's probably going to be guys Mm -hmm. at the Olympia level that are like, fucking, I'm going to take all the gear. You know what I mean? But then there's going to be guys like this that are like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to see if I can do this and not use trend. And I'm talking about like some of these guys are, we're looking at top five Olympians. So right. There's that. I would argue. I'd argue in reverse, Scott. From my experience, the guys who are swinging for the fences are trying to win the local show. Sure. Oh, way, way more so. Yeah. The, the ones who, I mean, and it's not to say none, but across the board, at the highest level, a lot of people are very understanding of the risk they're taking and, yep. and try to be smart about it. I think that uh, the uh, blissful ignorance takes place a ton at the regional and national level. They think just don't like why people don't want to get their blood. I've had clients tell me they don't want to get their blood work done. I'm like, yeah, they're not, why not do you, interested. Why do I, yeah. I don't want to see it. I'm like, well, that's because you know it's fucked, asshole. Do your blood work <laughs> or, or I won't work with you. Yeah, yeah. Because I, 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 this sounds crazy, but I was telling you this. I won't work with someone that won't get their blood work because I can't have them die on my watch. Yeah. It looks bad. That's a good point. Because at least if I see your blood work and it's shit and you won't listen to me, I can go, cool, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. That's, Chris, that's Chris has told me that before. Chris yep. has told me like he's named guys. He's like, yeah, so yep. and so asked me to work with them, but he wouldn't send me blood work. Hmm. So yeah. I told him no. That's like crazy, like, right? like trying to hire Chris. You know? Yeah, he's like, hey, send me your blood work. He's like, no. Chris is Chris won't work with a lot of people. I've known good pros that Chris's response has been like, you don't need me. You're doing a great job without me. <laughs> you know. Sometimes I think he means that too, but he's like, "Yeah, hey, you he don't does. need me. That's you don't need thing. me." He does. Yeah, he does mean it. Like he, he, yeah. Chris thinks some guys don't need coaches. Like he, he says it. Yeah, yeah. We, we, get, we need to get him back on too. He said Mondays are never a go, right? <laughs> that's that's the reason why he's a good coach is because he doesn't need the money. Yeah. Yep. At all, like it's a, it's purely a passion. It's like a he's got hobby. tons yep. of fucking money. He could quit coaching instantly. You know what, though? I will say this. Mike Davies said this to me, and it stuck with me. He said that because the, there's also people who coach that don't need the money because they have a, another day job, and then they don't take their coaching as seriously. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, yeah, for sure. Mike Davies' story is he's like, you know what? 
I have to be good. You know, he's like, if we if we make our living off this, we can't fuck up. We're gonna answer you, yep. you know, because we need this is how we pay the bills. So there's yeah, you know right. that end of it too, you know. But yeah, I think with Chris, you're right. He just does it because he loves it. Yeah. Yeah. He loves being in the mix. He loves it when, you know, one of the guys is in the top four. Yeah. Posing down. <laughs> See? Top four. Right it took right me a minute. Around for Dusty. <laughs> took me nice a minute. Nice job, Rogan. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Okay, is that it for the episode? That's it. I'm going to wrap that fucker up. Thanks to everybody. I'm like pretty delirious actually after that weekend. Yeah. You know, <laughs> crazy. So these two episodes really blended together for me. So uh, we'll, see what, we'll see what they think of them. We'll see what the people think of this stuff. It's all about the people. Okay. Okay, remember, like, share, subscribe, comment. Ring the bell. And remember, IamMutant.com. Big Ron 20 or Dusty 20. Both codes work. I think it's North America that can access that site and use our codes, right, Dusty? Yep, that's right. Yeah, USA, Canada. So, what wasn't it, Scott, weren't you saying that United States is our number one downloads, UK is number two? Yep, UK and, and Canada flirt Canada with, were number three. Yeah, yeah, top three. Those are the top three. So, we get two there out of go. our top three companies with our codes, buddy. We'll see what we can do, you know? Perfect. Okay. Thanks. Remember, everybody, it's just bodybuilding.